Welcome to the SPS Digital Learning Hour, brought to you by Digital Learning and Assessment Department. We're coming to you today from my office, bringing you the latest news in Springfield Public Schools in regards to technology, along with inspiring interviews from teachers who are using technology in the classroom. Thanks for joining us today. I am your host, Mike Thomas, the Bearded Tech Ed Guy. You can find me out on all the social medias at Bearded Tech Ed. You can also find me on my own personal website, beardedtechedguy.com. In thinking about how to start the podcast for this year, I've gone back and forth with a lot of different thoughts in my head, and I'm very thankful for you, the listeners. We hope to continue to bring you great interviews from teachers who are using technology. Clearly, as we are currently in remote, the school committee is still looking at voting on that soon as they are organizing a meeting so that they can make sure that all voices are heard. And so while we are in remote, we are looking at this podcast a little differently. Instead of being able to have teachers rattle off the technology that they're using, we're actually just interviewing teachers about how it's going and the things that are happening in their rooms. It doesn't have to deal with technology as quite frankly, in Springfield here, we are 100% remote right now. And so there is no classroom technology per se because well, being remote means everything is online already. So we're really just excited to share great teachers doing great work in the classroom. We know that there's so much out there for teachers to look at and listen to, but we really wanted to hone in on what is happening here in Springfield with teachers that are using the same tools that you have access to here in Springfield. And if you're listening from outside of Springfield, you may have access to these tools too through your district. If not, and you like what you hear, I highly encourage you to reach out to those who make technology decisions within the district that you are in so that you can have some of the same tools and access that we have here in Springfield. Springfield has a rich tradition of using technology in the classroom. So for us, making that jump back in late March, early April, was not completely challenging as it could have been. We had a lot of tools laid out. I know I was a part of thousands of hours of training with teachers, with large groups of teachers, with small groups of teachers. There are lots of tools that we have worked with and that we are helping other teachers use. And so we're excited when we hear about them and hear them in use and things that teachers have gone on and done on their own. And so that's where we bring you with today's first interview, which is with Brittany Blake Franklin of South End Middle School. Now, for those of you that don't know, South End Middle School is right downtown. It is right along the river. If you really want to know where it is, if you know where Starbucks is on East Columbus Avenue, it's right near there. I know I drive by it almost every morning when I go to the office because quite frankly, I don't know what I would do without my green tea from Starbucks that is unsweetened. That stuff gets me through everything, especially as I'm trying to work on not drinking so much uh, soda. With that in mind, check out this interview I did with Brittany. If you are curious, you can look in our past episodes. You can actually find an episode with Brittany where we talked about a few years ago. I'll bring you those notes along in the show notes along with everything else that we discussed. Awesome, thanks. Uh, my name is Brittany Blake Franklin. This is my ninth year in Springfield Public Schools, 12th year teaching overall. 
and I have the honor and privilege of working at South End Middle School. I'm the eighth grade English language arts teacher, as well as the school's technology coordinator. And I run a lot of other different programs because we're a small ship and we're all hands on deck. <laughs> so for middle school wise, South End is, as you're just alluded to, it's one of the smaller schools, right? How, you know how, about how many students? We roughly have about 250 students that fluctuates um, year to year, but that's that seems to be the norm. I've been at South End, this is my fifth year, and it hasn't really grown beyond 250. Wow. So I think one of the nice things with a smaller school like that is you probably, even though you're teaching eighth grade, you probably interact with all the grades of students, I'm guessing, because with it being a small building and a small group. So have you been able to do that since we've gone remote, interact with the other grades? So at South End, we actually just had this past Friday. So it was the day before Halloween. We had one of our PBIS incentives and that gave me an opportunity to interact with a ton of our kids. Um, we hosted a virtual Halloween party and basically children who had 90% attendance or better were invited to attend. It happened like the last, probably the last hour of our school day, but we ended up going until 4.30 cause the kids were just having so much fun. Um, everybody got dressed up in a costumes and we had different breakout rooms in Zoom. We had, well, my room was the scary story room cause I love a good ghost story. So I was telling creepy urban legends about the city of Springfield dressed as a zombie. There were other things like we had a Halloween trivia room. We had a TikTok challenge room. We had, oh gosh, the kids were playing the game. I can't remember the name of the game right now. The one where there's an imposter. I, we used to call it mobster. I don't know. Uh, I know what you're talking about, but that's how we Oh would. my gosh. It's among us. The kids were playing among us with the teachers. That was pretty big. Our principal, Miss Despert, actually dressed up as the Wicked Witch of the West and did full face of Wicked Witch of the West, which was really kind of scary for all of us to see. You know, I've known Miss Despert for about nine years now, and I've never known that she could do such dramatic stage makeup. It was a lot of fun. And I think that gave me a chance to finally like see who the sixth graders are because they've been a mystery to me, but you know, also got to touch base with the seventh graders. And I was surprised that my eighth graders did want to come and spend more time with me than they already do. So it was pretty successful. That's awesome. That sounds like it was a really good time because here in Springfield, middle school ends at what, two o'clock, two ten usually? Is that like when the day so, so South End is a very unique school because we are in the process of uh, reorganizing our building. And we're doing that with some state funded grant money. And we actually changed our school hours last year to match with elementary schools in the district, which dramatically increased our attendance when we were doing in-person learning. So we're actually going from 8.30 to 3.30 every day. Yeah, that's what I did when I taught fifth grade, clearly. Um, so I was already on that schedule. I thought that was great for students. So, and I can't imagine, I know I had fifth graders, so I can't imagine how like much that improved just the overall like mind, body, and soul of those middle schoolers where they're not getting up way early and they're able to be more active and more there. Yeah, we did, um, we did come up with that plan based on a survey of our community at South End. 
Um, we have a team of stakeholders and between the stakeholders and the surveying of the community, it was really apparent that in order to battle some chronic absentee and tardyism, the best thing to do was just adjust the schedule for, to meet the students' needs. You know, like school should be doing with everything. <laughs> so when we back in March went to remote, did you guys still continue to stick with that sort of time frame of 8.30 to 3.30 or did you mess around with it at all? So we did a couple different things back in the spring when this was kind of just like thrust upon us. Um, but what we ended up sticking with for the majority of the spring was that we saw the kids for three hours in the afternoon. We were following the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education's guidelines at the time. You know, they didn't want kids to be on camera for more than three hours. So, you know, last year I taught seventh and eighth grade, so it worked out perfectly. I had about an hour and a half with my seventh graders and about an hour and a half with my eighth graders and was able to touch base with them. I think we did it, if I'm remembering correctly, we did it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then on Fridays, we met as a faculty and we did some professional development. We did a book study, which was fascinating in and of itself. It was all about creating a culturally responsive classroom. And that book study really helped catapult what we're doing now here in the fall. So what was the name of the book? I um, that. <laughs> so I don't have the exact name for you at this moment. I can definitely look it up and I'll send you a message later on. But it was a book about how we as educators need to design our classroom to be culturally responsive. We need to understand how the teenage brain develops, how trauma plays a role in developing the teenage brain, and what we can do to mitigate the effects of trauma just by building solid, awesome relationships with our kids. You know, like the best part of being a teacher anyway, turns out to be really, really healing for kids. So before we went um, all remote in March, were you, was your school already planning to do this book study or did it just kind of evolve out of those couple of weeks that we had to kind of plan to figure out what we were doing? You know, one of the beauties of working for Mr. Spurt is that she's the ultimate chess master. I think she's always like eight or nine steps ahead of where the most of us can see. I would guess that it was always going to be on the docket because she had enough books already ordered and <laughs> waiting for all of us to get our own copies of um, right, right then when we had the opportunity to continue our work together. And, you know, touching on children with trauma has been a mission of South End Middle School because we know that a lot of our kids are coming to us with adverse childhood experiences. So we're doing, we're learning tons. It's a little overwhelming at times, um, but it's also paying off dividends. That's awesome. So, and again, thinking about back to that time in March, what are some things that really scared you or really made you nervous about teaching remotely as a middle school teacher and as a tech coordinator? You, you clearly have some technology skills. So I think what scared me was first and foremost, besides curriculum, besides like all of the issues of getting online was just like, how are my kids doing with this level of isolation? Because, you know, not everyone came and picked up a laptop. You know, they didn't have the means to do so back in the spring. And we didn't, as a district, 
quite have all of our ducks in a row to help out every single one of the 28 or so thousand kids. Uh, <laughs> is that the right estimate? <laughs> Somewhere in that range, 25, uh, 28,000. So. so I think just being worried about like their mental state and how they were doing with a huge change in their comfortable routine. But then when it came to like actually doing the work of educating children remotely, I was worried about how do I translate my very big personality I'm walking around my room, I'm tapping people's desks. I'm, you know, I'll stand up on a chair and read a whole book from the top of my lungs if that's what we need to do. To now I'm here in this little box on your screen. How can I translate who I am as an educator into an online world? With, you know, I have a little bit of a leg up as a technology coordinator. I'm pretty quick to learn some new tricks and help other teachers learn how to use them too. But <laughs> I'm no expert. I'm definitely not an expert. And it became apparent to me that I was not an expert in the spring. And that's when, you know, we have some really gifted folks throughout the district who were reaching out with different resources and, hey, try this, try that, try this thing. And it was really an expansive time for just growing myself as a teacher. So in thinking about that time and trying to translate yourself as you were talking about in your classroom in person to online, now that we've started in the fall, what kind of steps and things have you done to help make that transition so that more of your personality is coming through, as you said, the little four by four box on the screen? So I think some of the most effective things that we've tried this year we're doing a lot more within Zoom as well because we got all of those new tools that we can use now that we have um, the professional license. So, you know, utilizing my breakout rooms with kids, sending them assignments in all different formats. Like now I'm using uh, Flipgrid way more often. I revamped my unified classroom class page so that it's more of a reflection of like what my classroom should feel like to me. I'm spending a lot of time in the first five minutes of every single class just doing personal check-ins with kids, like using the private mes messaging feature, you know, just trying to be open to every single new possibility that someone presents. But I'm also reading a lot of pedagogy online. Like right now, one of the books that we're using at South End is the Distance Learning Playbook. It's our new Bible. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're spending a lot of time in it. And again, I think it's really, it's paying off, but we also have a motto at South End that you have to go slow to go fast. And that for me, as someone who tends to just dive right in and jump in and I want to try all the different things all at once, I really had to take a step and like take a deep breath and say to myself, okay, what are we're looking at like all these different options let's stop let's evaluate which one is going to help my kids reach the goals that i have set for them and that they have set for themselves so yeah just while i am trying to be myself i also kind of had to realize that some things are in person and some things are better online well said well said i know that was one of the things when we were doing our trainings back in like march and april and I was doing like six trainings a day on different tools. 
one of the things I always try to remind teachers is like, I'm showing you this. I'm giving you steps on how to use this. You don't have to use this. You need to find what's going to fit and best serve your students. Because one of the things I always believe is if something's out there and you don't know it's out there, then it can't help you. But if it's out there and you know it's out there, maybe it does. And so I think that kind of mindset is really helpful to have of take a step back, see what I have access to, and then go from there instead of, because I know when I was in person teaching, I was always, and it sounds like you probably were too, a new tool comes out, I'm going to use it immediately and I'm going to try to integrate it in before I even understand fully how it works. Yeah, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big experiment and reflect later kind of gal, which I've, I've learned that in person, that's totally acceptable. That's like, you know, that's, I've made it work. I've made it work for 12 years. But in remote world, we don't get quite as many chances to have a do over. Because every single class, at least in my opinion, feels more vital that we get it right right now. So that we're filling those gaps if there are gaps that exist from this whole experience. And, you know, studies say that there definitely are learning gaps. The data that we've started collecting at South End says that there's some slippage, but it also feels like since we're all collectively taking a deep breath and evaluating what are the best things for our kids, I just feel like those gaps are going to disappear if we keep pushing forward at a slow and steady pace. I agree. And that distance learning playbook is a great resource for that too. So. Yeah. Very timely. (laughs) So, and again, going, let's, we're going to jump back to March again in our conversation here. What were some things that you did in like March, April that were really effective and that you are continuing to do now? So I would say things that are carryovers are um, I have weekly words of wisdom So this, I'm teaching my students about the idea of mantras and how mantras can have a positive impact on your mental well-being. And if your mental well-being is doing really good, then everything else goes a lot easier too. So for example, our weekly words of wisdom this week say, uh, you cannot go back and rewrite the beginning of your story but you can decide how to start the next chapter. And so every single day that the kids come to ELA, they see those weekly words of wisdom when they're writing down their topic and their homework in the agenda, it's right next to it. So it's an unavoidable thing that I want them to see and interact with. We do a a low stakes writing question about the weekly words of wisdom to just wrap their head around like, How do these words connect to my life as a middle school student in the city of Springfield? Um, So that's one way. Another thing um, that I've found that carries over from in-person and in the spring till now is our kids love a good storyteller. If you can tell them a story with personality, with some color and some creative, you know, strategies with your linguistics, you know, make the characters have different voices. I, at one point I even was putting on different hats for different characters <laughs> reading an article along with the kids. Um, so 
you know, a good story uh, engages them. And I think a lot of people, especially at the middle school level, are like, our kids don't want to be read to. No, they do. They really do. They love it. And they also need it because it's really good modeling for language, for vocabulary development, for sentence structure, um, and also just helping our our ELL and SPED population with their own grasp of language. So be a good storyteller and have some mantras. I think those would be my two big carryovers. <laughs> so in that same vein, what are some things that you did in the spring that you realized, yeah, I'm not doing that again? Um, so practicing on things that are like worksheets, that old kill and drill style of thing where you give them some multiple choice questions. Granted, we practice with multiple choice questions still. We have to because of ANET, because of MCAS. It is, you know, a necessary evil in our world that we know how to address multiple choice questions. But I would say that in the spring, I fell into a little bit of a trap of like posting them as assignments and like, this is your independent work. This is what you're doing when you're not with me. And our kids are generally speaking, not ready to be independent with activities that are super disengaging, like multiple choice questions. They're not excited about those kinds of activities. So when I'm looking now in the fall, when I'm looking to do independent work for the kids, you know, I'm having them go to Flipgrid or I'm having them on a YouTube video and they're using Edpuzzle and they're answering questions based on the video while they're watching it. It has to be more geared towards like gamifying the classroom and making it so that they've got some awesome challenge that they're working their way through and then there's something at the end for them. And I think, you know, I think one of my big struggles in the spring was that I didn't have an online incentive program. I had no idea how to incentivize online learning because I didn't know that online learning was going to be a thing. <laughs> and I spent some time over the summer with other teachers in the district and at South End crafting an online incentive program. And now, now that it's been implemented for like the last eight weeks, I'm seeing huge differences in how the kids are interacting on Zoom, but also on how they're interacting with those assignments that are posted on Unified Classroom. They have to know that something other than the grade is going to happen for them. Mm -hmm. Because for a lot of our kids, the grade is like, there's some sense of apathy around the grade They've been internalizing that they're not smart or that they're not good at stuff forever. And so by giving them an outside incentive other than the grade, they can, we can start to deconstruct that fixed mindset that, that the kids have. So there sounds like overall, there's been a lot of good groundwork that was laid in the spring for this fall. And it sounds like you've had a lot of great things going on. So what are some of the highlights of really the last eight weeks of, that we've been in session as we're getting ready to end quarter one? So my favorite thing is that in our traditional classroom setting, when we're in person, you know, the squeaky wheel gets all of your attention. 
as a teacher. You've got 27 bodies in front of you and the ones that are cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs in the best way possible are the ones that you are focusing on and you miss the shy kid on the side. But now we're all on Zoom together and there's nowhere for that shy kid to hide. So I can private message them in the chat. I can do lunchtime Zoom meetings with them. We, I've, I've done 7 p.m. meetings with some kids who wanted to talk to me without the rest of the class there. And that flexibility of where I feel like it's, it's okay that I'm scheduling outside of my regular teacher time to do whatever I need to do with children and help them out. I guess, I guess that's my favorite thing is like, no one can hide from me now. I will find you and we will work together come hell or high water. <laughs> All I can think of right now is the movie Taken and when Liam Neeson's on the phone, <laughs> I have a particular set of skills. I will find you, we will yeah. work together. <laughs> you will pass English. <laughs> yep. So that's that's definitely my number one. And then I think my number two favorite thing about this is that it seems to me with all of my years of experience that families are way more engaged in what we're doing in school. They know what's up finally. And it's not from looking at their kids' dirty agenda in the bottom of the backpack. They're actually like, they're, they're just interacting more with us. I've had parents who are sitting in on my lessons and like will ask me a question about what I'm teaching their eighth grader. And I love it. Like I want more of that because I think a lot of our parents and families come from a place of like education wasn't great for them. People weren't dealing in trauma-informed practices or culturally responsive practices and so a lot of our parents and families have this kind of negative, and rightfully so, they have a negative connotation about coming and learning with us and helping their kid grow as, an edu as, a, as a learner. Having this opportunity of like, where parents are just all of a sudden like, hey, that's a really interesting detail you have for me there. And they just show up. I love it. And um, at South End, we use uh, the app Class Dojo for messaging with families. And what really excites me as technology coordinator, I have some statistics that I can look at for the whole school. And we're sending over a thousand messages a week to parents wow. and families. Like it's beyond where we were ever before. And it just, it thrills me because I've always said, even back to when I was a student teacher, that if the families are not invested and they're not aware of opportunities for them to be invested, then we can only take the educational process so far. We have to all work together, student, teacher, and parent or caregiver, whoever's at home. It is vital for the success of the kid. That's awesome. That's, there's a lot of great things going on. <laughs> I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I do have one more question and it, you'll probably have a great answer for it. I just know it. One of the hardest things with being and doing work like we are now, where like right now we're talking through Zoom, you're talking with through Zoom with your students all day. You've just mentioned that like at times you've had 7 p.m. meetings. As a teacher, what kind of things are you doing to take care of yourself during this time too? Because that is also hugely important. 
And that does come through in these Zoom meetings when we as educators have to really be on for our students because like while we are adults and can handle change like we're going through all the time, they need help with that. So what are some things that you're doing for yourself during this time? So I am and always will be a very big proponent of therapy. <laughs> if there is a teacher out there listening to this, this podcast recording and you're not in therapy, I need you to go ahead and find yourself a therapist because you have a lot to talk about even if you don't think you do. Our kids come to us in the city of Springfield with issues beyond imagination. They, and if you all are the kind of teachers that I know you all are, you open up your heart and you take those issues in for your own self and you internalize in order to lighten their burden. And that means that you are overloaded. So get you a good therapist, (laughs) number one. Number two, like exercising. Um, I'm a big fan of some cardio at the end of the day. When our 3.30 hits and it's time for us to be done with the school day, I walk away from the computer for at least two hours and I don't go back and I try not to schedule any meetings in that two hour span because my Zoom fatigue is hardcore by 3.30. And I don't want to look at any computer screen for any reason. So I go down to my basement where my husband and I put together an at-home gym, uh, you know, Facebook marketplace. We found ourselves a free bicycle. We found ourselves a free punching bag. It's awesome. So we've got those things down there to enjoy. I also spend time with my puppies. I have two rescue dogs that are absolutely most important little critters that I have right now. I mean, no offense, fish but (laughs) the dogs take precedence for sure. And I think the other big thing is, and and something that I'm stressing to my colleagues at South End is like, we got to talk. All of us teachers have to talk to each other. We have to talk openly. We have to talk honestly. We have to stop being so judgmental on ourselves because the world is going to take care of judging us. We don't have to judge us too. We just have to support one another, love one another, care about one another, and God, definitely share some tips and tricks with each other whenever we find something successful. So I think those are definitely, oh, and for real, I cook a lot of brownies. I eat. (laughs) (laughs) There's definitely some self-love with with food involved too. But hey, food and exercise, you got to balance it out. (laughs) That is true. And plus you can't walk fish either. I mean, it'd be kind of awkward walking down the road with a little bowl and the fish. Yeah. And I I get enough strange looks from my neighbors when I'm walking the dogs because like last Friday I was dressed as a Ninja Turtle for half of the day. (laughs) I was walking my dogs as a five and a half foot tall Ninja Turtle. So. (laughs) Oh, that would have been awesome to see. Yep. (laughs) So, well, Brittany, thank you for this time. It was good to catch up with you and it's good to share all the great things that are going on in your classroom and at your school with everyone. So thank you. Thank you, Mike. I really appreciate, you know, anytime that I can talk about how awesome my kids are, I'll take you up on it. (laughs) Thank you, Brittany, for taking time out of your day to allow us to have that great conversation. I hope a lot of you took a lot away from that. South End Middle has a lot going on. I know that they're a smaller school and 
it's super exciting seeing some of the things that and hearing about some of the things that she is doing in the classroom. If you'd like to learn more about any of the tools that are mentioned, please check out our show notes below as I will include links to all of them there. We just, again, want to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to us and to hear what's going on. If you're looking for updates in the district, you can always check out our brand new newsletter, which will be coming out on November 30th, hopefully ahead of this podcast or behind it or one or the other. The podcast interview in this episode will be listed in that show notes. You can find the podcast also listed on iTunes, Spreaker, which is the tool that we use to host, Stitcher, anywhere where podcasts are available. I have so many places where I'm sending this out to and I am super excited about it. We are excited to get this started again. We'll be back in a couple weeks with either another interview or maybe we'll talk more in depth about how you can do certain things in your classroom during remote time. With that being said, I'm Mike Thomas, the Bearded Tech Ed Guy, and this is the SPS Digital Learning Hour. This is the SPS Digital Learning Hour brought to you by the Digital Learning and Assessment Department. This podcast is produced, mixed, edited, all by Mike Thomas. Music is from Tell Me, instrumental by Risen. You can find them on soundcloud.com slash Risen, Creative Commons license at attribute 3.0, imported CC by 3.0. Check out our show notes for full information. 